Welcome, everybody, to the Always Hope Podcast, a production of Willwood's Faith in Marriage. I'm your host, Dr. Mario Sacasa, and truly grateful to share another great episode with you today. Well, in this show, we talk a lot about the spiritual life, about how science influences our faith, about how we make sense of suffering and, and how that helps us in our narrative, how if we've been hurt by people, how we can make sense of that. And, and, and all of this is at the service of trying to help you, dear listeners, grow in your understanding of who God is and how much he deeply, deeply loves you, even in the midst of the suffering that you may have experienced. But we have neglected thus far to talk about something very important, probably the most important aspect of the spiritual life, and that is our prayer. What is prayer? What does it mean to actually be a person of prayer and to be in prayer with God? And, and not just the, 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 the means of prayer, the rosaries and the Hail Marys, which are so, so important to us, but the context of what prayer actually is. What are the metaphysics of prayer? Like, What are we actually doing when we sit down and pray before this, the, the blessed sacrament and offer our prayers to the Lord? That is the focus of today's episode. And joining me once again is my dear friend, Dr. Tom Neal, theologian extraordinaire, who whenever I have these difficult questions. He's the person that I first ring up on the phone and so grateful to have him as a friend that we can talk deeply about these questions. So in today's episode, we talk about the metaphysics of prayer. What is Christian prayer and how does it look different than other forms of prayer? Are we just sending energy into the universe or are we, are we just trying to commune with God? What, what are we trying to do? What is actually happening in prayer and what is the point? How should Christians pray? And so today we talk about all of this while speaking about the various types of prayer that are out there within Christian spirituality, petitionary prayer, prayers of thanksgiving, the Our Father, Lord's Prayer, meditation and contemplation. So if you have had any questions or doubts about what prayer is and what it isn't, here's an episode for you. So, so grateful that you guys are here with me today and you're going to love this one as you've, I'm sure, I'm sure as you've enjoyed the other episodes. So. Please enjoy the episode, and when it is done, please don't forget to head on over to um, faithinmarriage.org backslash alwayshope, where we have a link available for you to fill out a survey. It'll also be available there in the show notes. Again, I talked about this in the last episode. I've hit a year with the show, which is just awesome, awesome to think. It's really just an amazing opportunity to share this, this message and, this, and, um, and to evangelize through this medium. Uh, and so I'm just soliciting feedback. I, I want to know what's working for you, what's not working for you, uh, what you want to see in year two of the Always Hope podcast. So please don't forget to click on that survey link, fill it out. It only takes a couple minutes and I look forward to receiving all that. Thank you to everybody who has already done so. It really does mean a lot uh, as we kind of move forward in preparations for what year two will bring. So without further ado, Dr. Tom Neal, and here's our discussion on prayer. Dr. Tom Neal, once again, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm well, Dr. Mario Sacasa. <laughs> Thank you. It's always a, 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 not only a, a pleasure and honor, but always a, a fun experience here. <laughs> Thank you. You keep coming back, so it must be a good time. <laughs> yeah. The only thing missing, as I said last time, is that beer. We got to do this sometime at Well, a, we at do this at 8 o'clock in the morning, so, it, you know, <laughs> and I know it's Coffee. New Orleans. It's New Orleans. I know there's you can drink anytime you want here. That's right. But uh, <laughs> it's a little early for me. That's right. No, no, no. <laughs> and mimosas don't sit well on my stomach. Oh, so, no, no. So. I'm not a fan either. <laughs> oh, it's great to be here with you. Awesome. So we've we, we've hit a number of, of uh, topics mm. so far. Um 
we had a great conversation about the laity and the role of the laity. And then we had a wonderful conversation about free will. Yes. And I think that what we're going to talk about now, that episode in episode 24, you know, was really about um, looking at ourselves and, and, and the gift of will and why God has, has blessed us with this and the responsibility then of being able to live in conformity with God's will and, and trusting that the actions that we do, that God's really kind of guiding us and leading us. Yes. And I felt that there was a whole set of other questions that we couldn't even cover mm. in that particular episode. So I really view this as maybe a, a, an addendum to that. So if, if you're listening to this episode, please go back and listen to the previous episode. If memory serves correct, I think it's episode 24, uh, The Risks and Rewards of Free Will. Um, there, it's, it's, on the, it's on the show, on the podcast app. Um, but what I want to talk about today is prayer and really the foundations of Christian prayer in, in really kind of wrapping our brain about what it really means to, to pray to God, um, which yes. is, uh, I know a heavy topic, um, because right. whenever we talk about God, we're, we're balancing both the, the, the unmovable mover, the, the first cause, as you talked about in the free will episode, yes. while at the same time, the God who, who comes to us through the Holy spirit very intimately and the God who died for us on, on the cross. Yes. So just kind of easing into this, um, when this may not be an easy, easing to question, <laughs> but, uh, but as I've thought about prayer, sure. um, in the different ways we talk about prayer kind of colloquially and maybe even across maybe even different religions or thoughts or whatever. I, sure. I really am interested in just what are the metaphysics of prayer? Okay. Oh, like what, sure. what's the, <laughs> like, what is prayer? I mean, sure. is it, is it, um, am I sending thoughts out into, you know, eternity? Am I directing positive energy towards you? <laughs> am I talking to a loving father? Like what sure. am I doing when I actually pray to God? Sure. That's well, they, there you go. Start <laughs> ease into it. Yeah, huh? yeah, that was ease. That was that was the ease into question. <laughs> the metaphysics of prayer is a slight introduction. Yeah, yeah, into yeah. Prayer. I hope you had enough coffee this morning. That's let's, it. Let's no, do it. I love let's that. Jump into I it. love it. I love it. So the metaphysics of prayer is is contingent being mm -hmm. in the face of non-contingent oh, being. How's that? Is that, 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 that how do we get out the show up now? <laughs> We're done. <laughs> Done. Absolute put, dependence yeah. on God for yeah. everything. I mean, that's, that's it. really it. That's it. It, it. Prayer is is in a sense in its most profound foundation, uh, the living existential, you might say, acknowledgement that who I am, what I am, that I am is absolute, total, pure, undeserved, gratuitous gift uh, that God has brought me from non-existence into being. Um, and there's a beautiful line that Meister Eckhart, a 15th century German Dominican theologian, uh, has. He says, if there's no other prayer we say throughout all of life other than thank you, it would be sufficient. Um, because that's kind of the fundamental act uh, uh, of something that has been raised out of non-existence into being to the one who created that, that person, in this case, human being, uh, towards the creator is to say thank you. Uh, is to give thanks and praise to God for doing this out of sheer gratuity and gift. Uh, so I think the, the fundamental metaphysics of prayer is that prayer is the response of the creature to the creator for the very fact of having been created. And I, I, I like to say that this was given to me many, many years ago by um, uh, my, one of my spiritual directors, Father Anthony Minocchio of, of happy memory. God rest his soul. What a saint. Uh, he said, I want you to begin every single day thanking God before all else that you exist at all. Just begin there and just, just revel in the gift that you exist, regardless of the conditions of your existence, what it's like, 
good, bad, whatever it is, the details. The very fact that you exist is itself the most fundamental act of prayer um, that I am and that I've been willed into existence because he loved me into existence. So the fundamental act of my existence is being loved. Uh, um, that's extraordinary. And I guess if you, if you begin prayer there in that kind of metaphysics uh, of gift, um, then everything else flows naturally from that. And you might say, you know, the Eucharist, the Mass, the Eucharist, Eucharistane in Greek means to give thanks. So the supreme act of worship in our church, which is the Holy Eucharist, um, which is Christ's thanksgiving to the Father, uh, is the supreme act of prayer of the church because, precisely because it's thanksgiving. And it's thanksgiving to God, not only for bringing us into existence, but for recreating us, redeeming us, liberating us, freeing us from the bondage that we had fallen into and offering to us uh, a new creation that has no end as a place where we can be with him in communion for all ages, forever and ever, to allow him to love us and us to love him in return and to love each other as an overflow of all of that. So that you might say is the kind of the foundations uh, of metaphysical foundations, the foundations of being uh, that prayer emerges out of is that we are contingent or absolutely dependent beings on God uh, who who gave us uh, the gift of existence. And so everything else in prayer flows from that. Every other act of prayer, in a sense, is an extension of that primal act of thanksgiving. My understanding when we talk about like the four basics of prayer is, or the four modes of prayer is um, petitionary prayer, thanksgiving, yes. meditation, contemplation. Sure. I know there's others, but kind of four groupings there. You you put Thanksgiving at the primacy. Then, sure. That yes. Metaphysically speaking, we are created out of nothing. And so all of prayer then is a return as a thank you back to the Father. Yes. It's going into the place of Jesus and the second person in the Trinity, if I'm saying this correctly, yes. where he receives the fullness, the image that's used as that the Father pours out his love to the Son, and the Son returns it back to the Father. Yes. And so we, as Christians, are, are, are Christ followers, yes. are invited into that place then where we're trying to, and again, it's, I know it's not the same because obviously the Trinity existed for in and of itself, and that's a whole nother conversation. That's right. But so I'm not saying that, but just that we are modeling that and entering into that, that type of prayer um, where everything we have is, is pure gift, is sincere gift. And I, and I receive that. I get that. And I believe that wholeheartedly in my own life. I'm, mm. I'm constantly amazed at, at when I study. I, lo I love studying astronomy as kind of a side oh, yes. project. You know, I just, yes. I, I, once I, when Me I was too. a kid and I, and I was always enthralled by NASA and satellites. And, and at some point I didn't even thought about being an astronomer until I realized how much math and physics went into it. <laughs> And I was like, like me. I was like, nah, <laughs> forget that. <laughs> and then the, like, the actual reality of the job is that you stare at a telescope for decades before you, <laughs> you actually get, see before, one thing. Before you actually worthwhile. see one thing happen, I was like, nah, I'd rather just read about it, you know, about <laughs> the actual practice of it. But what did I say? Oh, because you know the gift of, uh, you know, cosmology and in 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 the universe and yeah. the order of the universe, and that we're here by like a string of events that had to happen. So I I receive that. I get that. I understand that within my own heart. Mm, mm. Um, and I do, I'm not diminishing that. that that's sure, the absolute of foundation. Of course. And then when we build on that, though, when we get to something then, that's Thanksgiving. If we get to then petitionary prayer, intercession, asking, praying for others, praying for myself, praying for God. How, help me understand how that works. Oh, sure. When we talked about God yeah. being the unmovable mover. Sure. Right. The first cause. Yes. 
why why does this matter at all that we get involved <laughs> in the project of of being sharers in his causal activity well, yeah. yeah yeah and so then it, it like What's the efficaciousness of my prayers? That's powerful. Yeah, that's a great, it's a superb point. How's that for your first two questions? No, that's, that's a, yeah. <laughs> One, two. What the heck? What kind of a shallow end is that? <laughs> I tricked you. <laughs> I took water. I should never have taken the water. I should have done chicory coffee. You sure it's water? I go, oh, is it vodka? That's right. <laughs> it's, it's like, we talked about the Russians before. So anyway, it's off air. Okay. So, so that's a great question. Um, let, let me, let me take it from this angle. There's a number of angles you can take it from, obviously, but the sure. one I like to take it from is to say, well, in the creation of, of, of all things in the book of Genesis, uh, in the first creation story, the six days of creation, the seventh day of God resting or ceasing from his work. Um, the, 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 the creation pattern of, of, from light to human beings at the end is that human beings at the end, uh, the human beings, when they're made in the image and likeness of God, are given a a, a particular role in creation. Uh, our role as being made in the image and likeness of God is to be God's regents, his agents, his vicars, however you want to put that, in this world, agents of his action in this world. Um, I think, maybe I said this last time, um, I love, I love to think of us being made in the image and likeness of God with two metaphors. First, the metaphor of the prism, which is when invisible light passes through a prism, the prism breaks the invisible light into the spectrums of right. visible light colors. Right. So human beings have this role in the image and likeness of God of making visible and present uh, to creation the nature and character of God as above all else as, as love. But human beings are also another metaphor I like to use uh, is 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 a hinge uh, that we are the hinge of creation. So if we think of creation as uh, in, in this kind of metaphysical schematic that Saint Thomas Aquinas, for example, uses to structure his whole Summa Theologica, um, that all things come from God and all things return back to God. The exitus mm-hmm. and the reditus, the exit and and the return uh, to God. Uh, the point of return, the pivot point of return, it, 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 that hinge place where all things go back to God, that's what we are. We are the return of all creation back to God uh, in, the, in the primal sense, as I said earlier, uh, through the act of thanksgiving. We mm-hmm. give voice to all creation mm-hmm. uh, to give thanks to God for having created him. And, and, uh, and we have the role of returning creation to God. So, so in other words, God has given us a pivotal literally position within creation um, to bring creation to its final goal. Uh, so therefore, petitionary prayer, praying, uh, is, you might say, the act of pivoting, the act of hinge, the act of how God wants to bring things back to him. Um, the, our role in collaborating and cooperating with him by his grace uh, is to um be you might say at the heart of his providential will as to how he wants to bring the created universe toward its final goal and end in the new creation. So so he actively engages us in that process. So that's one way of thinking about it. Another way of thinking about it, and I'll try to be brief here, uh, is that God has created things in, in in such a way that the unfolding of his will depends on our cooperation. Right? Okay. He's made it that way. In other words, he doesn't need it to be that way, but he created it that way. Again, like in free will, honoring the dignity of our being made in his image and likeness, that we are co-partners, collaborators, 
co-workers, or as Paul says in Greek, uh, synergoi, synergists, who synergize with him. That's how he established it. Uh, you might say God's model of governing creation is a shared governance model, and we get to share in his governance of the universe. That's how he wants it to be. And his ultimate ratification of that, uh, the seal on that is the incarnation, when God becomes man and Jesus becomes the pivotal point of all creation, right? The alpha mm -hmm. and the omega, mm -hmm. the centerpiece of everything. It's, it's the coming together of the two wills, the human and the divine will together. Mm -hmm the two intellects, the human and the divine intellect together in perfect collaboration without loss or diminution of either one's integrity, working together in perfect harmony. Uh, that's what uh, ultimately brings to pass God's will for all creation, for all things. Uh, and I like, I like the last thing I keep saying last sure. thing, but uh, in the agony in the garden, um, it's a really beautiful illustration of this moment where the, right. you might say the human and the divine will come into this moment where, where sin has its, right, sin has its kind of full force weight on him uh, of, because sin, of course, is the re rejection of rebellion against the divine will. And Jesus experiences that tension when he says, you know, Father, let this cup pass from me. Right. That he knows well that he came into this world to drink this cup. He's asking for it to pass, but then he says, not my will, but your will be done. So he, he, he allows the full struggle of, of, of human nature against God, the, the kind of rebellion of sin to, to weigh on him, but in the end triumphs over it by allowing human and divine wills to come together. But what the only way that redemption can happen uh, is when the human will comes into final conformity to submission right. to the divine will, then, then everything can open up and unleash as God wishes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's bring this down a couple notches because I remember we, we talked about that, particular scenario in our last episode. And when I'm thinking about prayer, the, the first thing you said, which is that we're the hinge that God is, is the two things. When one God is, is pouring out, right. And that we return back to him. And so we're, we're co-laborers, co-creators in that. And in this, then the, the act is that we're, we're, we're bringing about his kingdom on earth. We're bringing about. So yes. the first way of being able to do that is in prayer. And then, or at labora. Okay, so I'm going to talk about a couple of things. Work, work then yes. can be an act of prayer to bring him back. But yes. I, I want to just put a hold on that for a second. I really yes. want to get back to just petitionary prayer specifically. Sure, sure, of course. Because we talk so beautifully and metaphysically about these big philosophical notions. That's right. But like, what does it mean specifically then when I have a suffering, my wife is diagnosed with cancer and I send an email out to everybody, pray to God to bring healing or prayed like... If what's going to happen is going to happen, I'm not trying to be cynical here. I'm really just trying to understand, like, why sure. is it important sure. that I still send out those emails? Sure. If God is going to do what God's going to do regardless, why is it important for me to send out those emails and texts to have people praying for so-and-so or for so-and-so? It's a great question. So I guess the answer to that is implied in the kind of more broad metaphysical mm -hmm. points yeah, yeah. that we just made, uh, which is that what, 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 what God wants to happen is going to happen includes our participation or refusal to participate it includes both. I mean, in other words, he allows both to happen, but, but it's not, we're not predestinationists, which means that God has predecided everything in advance and any semblance of our trying to influence or, or kind of um, interact with, or, you know, uh, bring about in a particular way, the unfolding of that will is just, is just a, a show. It's, it's not real. Right. It is real. Uh, it, it's already built into the unfolding of his plan is 
our response or non-response. So, mm-hmm. so it matters immensely. Mm-hmm. Um, if we know that God has disposed things so that he will not grant certain things unless we seek them, ask them, beg for them, ask, mm-hmm. seek, and knock, as he says, um, then, we, then we say, well, then I will pray for all things, all good things, uh, in a way that I believe that 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 will of God for the good of my wife or this person depends on my prayer because he has so ordained it that way. And if I refuse to do that out of laziness or neglect or lack of trust or whatever, uh, that God cannot bring about a particular good because he's made that good contingent dependent on my own expression of love and charity and care and, and, mm-hmm. and whatever it is and seeking good for that. Um, that that's how God has willed it to happen. So it's not that what's going to happen is going to happen regardless of whether or not I send out 20 emails to people to pray, but rather that my 20 emails are a response to the belief that what's going to happen precisely includes our cooperation and my desire to express my love through petitionary prayer for this person. The example that's coming to mind is, and I read this in um, Benedict's book, The School of Prayer, which mm-hmm. was a collection of his Wednesday addresses on prayer. Yes. He tackled the, the, the question of, of Abraham and um, uh, my mind, my mind, why don't my mind just go blank? In Sodom. Yeah. Thank the you. Intercession Mercy. for the people Give of Sodom. Break. Come yeah. on, Lord. No, 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 no. More that's coffee. why we have each other. <laughs> I need more coffee. <laughs> you know, so Ab- Abraham in the intercession, that's, that's exactly it. It was a petitionary prayer Absolutely. in the context. And he's like, great, Lord, you know, be not uh, you know, dismayed or don't smite me. But the conviction of Abraham to speak up to God and say, yes. okay, if there's a hundred people and, and if there's 50 people and going all the way down to, if there's 10, will you not, you know, smite in what the, 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 what the Pope is saying, what Pope Benedict is saying, Pope Emeritus is is saying in that is that, that, that kind of conviction that was for Abraham to, to grow right in his own courage and his, in his capacity that the desire that God has isn't to smite the people, yes, but it's there like for Abraham to step into that place. Yes. Now, in the end, there aren't even 10 people. You know, the story yes. goes, unfortunately, I shouldn't laugh, but yes. that's what happens there. That's right. Um, but that, that the act of, of Abraham petitioning, interceding for was not fruitless. No. And, and it wasn't necessarily trying to convince God necessarily because we can't do that. No. But it's, it, it's there for his own growth. That's it. Um, what do you think about that? No, that's it. I think that's, I think that's profound and right on. And I, I would say this, maybe a, a way to think of this too, what you, what you just said, is that Abraham's petitions, the way he petitioned, even though in the end it didn't lead to the sparing of Sodom because there was not a single righteous person there, uh, that made Abraham more disposed towards God's merciful love for humanity. And his act there would bear fruit. 1,800 years later in the incarnation when Christ became the supreme mediator between God and man, Abraham's act of intercession was already preparing our humanity to receive the intercessor himself. Mm-hmm. Right? So in other words, it took it from Abraham to the incarnation, it took 1,800 years of the Jews learning uh, what it means to become uh, the, the interceders for the life of the world, the conduits of divine mercy to the world, the light of the world for the incarnation to happen. So, so, so stepping back to Pope Benedict's point, which is uh, the prayer itself wasn't so much that he's trying to convince God to be nice, mm-hmm. but that he is disposing himself to receiving and being a, a channel, a mediator of, of God's mercy, that God always has mercy. So who changes is Abraham. 
so you might say also that petitionary prayer, and this is the point Pope Benedict makes, um, is that when you petition, when you ask, when you seek, when you knock, and especially when you do it at length, relentlessly, ceaselessly, like the widow who goes to the judge persistently over and over again, you become more and more disposed uh, to receive the very thing that God already is, which is merciful, right? He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed his mind and gone from angry and mean to merciful. But now you become able to receive it. And I guess I said, able to now mediate that to the world, to, to bring that into the world by the very fact that you've sought it. Uh, if you seek something for a very long time, it expands your capacity for that thing, right? Your longing increases, your desire increases, your love increases, your trust increases, your faith increases, your hope increases, uh, as, as your willingness to extend this over a lengthy period of time uh, and with depth of conviction, right? Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. You know, somebody who just makes a quick little prayer and says, oh, you know, oh God, you know, Please uh, right. forgive my sins, and then I move on, right? right? As opposed to someone who suffers through the right. ravages of their sin, comes to the point where they have nothing left, and cries out to God from the base of their soul. Then God says, now I can actually redeem you, because <laughs> you allowed sense. me down into right. the depths. You actually have depths. Yeah. Yeah. So, so part of petitionary prayer is that. And the last thing is, each person who, who experiences this growth of capacity, it isn't just for them, but whatever I do for myself affects the whole world yeah. affects everything. Yeah. So, so this is part of what, yeah, what, what I think Benedict is at. So the recognition that again, there, there is an efficaciousness here that when we're praying and even the longing of that, the crying out in our hearts that God is, is opening us to be more disposed to receive his mercy, yes. to more disposed to receive his grace, yes, more disposed to, to enter into the depth of love that he has because Again, we're body and soul, and so there is an eternal element to to us that is that we're trying to open up that that if I can say it this way, tell me if I'm right or wrong. That no. eternity within, yes, towards God Himself. Oh, sure, of course, and you trying can. to open yes. open that up there. Hey, everybody! This is Dr. Mario Sacasa, and I'm taking just a quick break from my conversation with Dr. Tom Neal. To remind you to like me on social media, on Facebook and on Instagram at Dr. Mario Sacasa. I love to play in the social media space, have conversations with you, my listeners. It's a great opportunity for me to interact. The nature of the show is that it's a podcast, obviously, and what that means is it's asynchronous. There's no live audience here. I'm recording this right now in my office on a random afternoon, and whenever you get around to listening, it's awesome. And so this conversation is happening. But I love being able to have um, real dialogue with the listeners. So please uh, feel free to find me on Facebook at Dr. Mario Sacasa. Leave a comment, ask a question, and uh, we'll try to engage in some awesome conversations through social media. God bless everybody. Let's get back to the rest of the show. Um, so when we yes. go back to just praying then for, and I'm thinking, right, of a situation of cancer, for example. Sure. Let's just put that out there. That's yes. the one that's come, coming to my mind right now. To pray for your loved one who has cancer is okay, not yes. just okay, is encouraged. Yes. And the, the depth in your heart to want to bring that about some healing yes. is, is good. Of course it is. At the same time, though, right, we're supposed to be open to whatever God's will is. Right. And so sure. where, where's the balance there? You know, on one hand, it's like, I want to pray to bring about this healing. 
and and I know that can go too far in extreme with the prosperity gospel. Sure. I get that, but there's an element of that that is truthful. That sure that we should state our desires. We should put them on Always. the table. We should say, God, I want this to happen. Yes. Please, I, I ask for this to happen. While at the same time, being open to whatever He wants, because yes. there's another hand of this where, and I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong here, but. I think that like sometimes we just say, well, let, let, let your will be done. And that's yes. a good holy prayer. But there ha- it, yes, is there, it, does that, does that mean anything? Ask. Yeah, no, right, right. Does that prayer, and I, and I know it does because we're trying it to does. pursue holiness, but at yes. the same time, like, like what, like, what does that mean? I, like, what do I want in this? And yes. can I put my desires on the table or, 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 or am I wrong to even put those desires because God's going to do what he wants to do? And so what, yeah. what am I supposed to pray for? Am right. I supposed to pray for the healing? Am I supposed to pray for the disposition and the attitude to have whatever happens happen? Or am I supposed to pray unceasingly for, for the miracle? Yeah. That's my question. That, that's excellent. Yes. <laughs> Again, <laughs> we, we go deeper Come into on, the Tom. deep end. Man, I'm, Give I'm, it to I'm me. looking for a refreshing moment here. Yeah, we'll get, we'll get you in a little bit. We're, we're, we're moving. We're moving. All right. Next question, I promise we'll get out of this. I mean, yes. But I, I just, I'm, I'm really wrestling, man. I'm yeah, trying to make sense is. of these things. It's not easy. It's a difficult question. It's, it is. I, I think. A couple of things. So first of all, when we pray to God and ask for specific things, you know, the healing of cancer in this place or the someone getting a job, and we know, I mean, this is, we know that it would be a, a wonderful good for this to happen. I mean, who who would not want someone to get a job who's got children and who right. aren't able to pay the bills and they're going to be, you know, uh, kicked out of their home and and so forth. So so we know these are good things, but, but scripture is really clear. I mean, so we always look to scripture. Where do we learn mm-hmm. how we should pray? That's right. And the Psalms are the, are the kind of the, the, the high point, the, the, the place where we see prayer um, most clearly revealed to us what prayer looks like. And the Psalms are filled with very specific requests mm-hmm. all over the place um, and, and spoken uh, with the greatest boldness and desperation and sometimes frustration with God, right? I mean, there's petitions of, you know, why do you remain silent? Wake up. Why are you sleeping? Mm-hmm. Do something, right? Those are my favorite songs. Yeah, they're beautiful. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, my God, my God, <laughs> yes. why have you abandoned me? Right. I mean, that's Jesus' own prayer. Yes. He takes Psalm 22 up, which is, you know, so very specific, very direct, very bold, um, because they, they, they have this clear awareness that God is just, that he's good, that he's loving, that he keeps his promises, that he's all powerful and so forth. And so there's a confidence that he can do these things. So so there's a boldness, there's a specificity. We should absolutely ask for them. But there's also the other side of it, which is the manner in which God unfolds the, his providential will for the for the kind of final good of all creation is is really, Scripture is clear, beyond our grasp, right? There's a sense in which it's it's beyond our capacity to really understand. So there's a fundamental sense in which God wants us to ask for things very specifically. He wants us to beg and plead for them. And he hears every prayer offered in faith and trust without exception and answers them all without exception in a manner that's according to his will. Uh, th- that's, that's absolutely clear. I, I think I like to say, though, that the, the, the problem is, is when you pray for miracles and you, you kind of predetermine in advance or overdetermine the results. In other words, this is a specific way I want it carried out in this particular way. At this time, in this place, with this success rate and, and all of that, uh, that's where you go wrong, right? There has to be a sense in which I beg and plead for these things, but I surrender uh, the final product of what you bring out of this to you because I trust that in your wisdom and goodness and love, 
that, that you make all things work together for the good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose, right? Right. Romans uh, uh, 848. That's at the heart of the Job story. That's at the heart of the Job story. Precisely. Precisely that what it, you said. That His response end. to Job at the end is, That's it. isn't necessarily the answer that he's looking for. It's where, I mean, where were you? And, and it comes across a little harsh, but in the poetry of it, it's really speaking to what you're saying, it which is, is, I'm the master of the universe. Man. I am. And I see all things. Every contingency imaginable yeah, from right. an infinite perspective, from every perspective, yours is a tiny microscopic picture of a little bit of the whole. And it's hard. And I know it's hard. And there's an intimacy that God still recognizes it. and doesn't dismiss it, doesn't discredit it. Never. And recognizes that it, it's, it's a piece of, of a very, very large story. That's it. It's exactly. It's a piece. And that the goods that we obtain by prayer are, are never just for the people we intend only. They're always for a lot more, right? They're always for a lot. They are for those people because that's where our intention goes. Uh, but the manner in which God answers it for that particular person or intention, um, which is always intended, but but it always includes something much, much larger. And the other side for Christians um, and for Jews who believe uh, in, in the afterlife is this, and this is kind of the center of the Christian story, right? is that the, the the definitive response that God gives to the problem of evil in this world and to the things that we face and struggle with and beg him about um, is only brought to its final resolution in the new creation, in the mm-hmm. resurrection, right? Mm-hmm. So when Christ cr- cries out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He gets a very clear answer, silence. Mm-hmm. There is no answer. Uh, and he dies. Uh, but the answer the father gives is on the third day. He heard that cry, and on the third day, he rose again. Uh, And that resurrection inaugurates, not just for Jesus, this is not a personal good that Jesus obtained, right? That he wanted himself to be delivered from this and to have the cup pass from him. But the answer that the Father gave was not just for Jesus, it was for all of creation. So his answer is comprehensive. It's not particular, it's comprehensive, and it's for all, and it's for the good of all, and it's for the definitive good of all. When God will triumph over evil in a final way that every prayer ever offered in the resurrection, in the final judgment, in the new creation is finally answered in its completion. Although it's answered here partially, it's answered in the next world completely. In the new creation, we will see we'll see just how much every single prayer that we ever offered contributed to the good of people that we never knew, that didn't exist yet, right? Uh, that we didn't know that, that years decades, centuries, even millennia later mm. would be affected by the fruits of our prayer. Mm. No idea. Amen. Right? It, it's like, you know, the butterfly effect. We have no yeah. idea the immensity, um, but there's a fundamental sense of trust that the one who I, whom I address, who is my father, my Abba, right? The, that, that intimate sense of fatherhood, uh, hears every single prayer I offer, every whisper I offer and takes it with the utmost gravity and absolutely answers. And Christ's resurrection was the answer to every human prayer. And the resurrection's power in Pentecost is spread out to the whole world. Uh, and the last thing I'll say is, is before uh, there, there was, a, there was a Pope Benedict, um, a talk he gave on Mary one time. He mm-hmm. said, he said, Mary was capable of, uh, of receiving God into her um, because she contained within her the hunger of all of Jewish history, 1800 years of hunger and begging and pleading and suffering uh, uh, for God to come rescue his people. Uh, she is what was carved out by that. And those amazing. people never knew that they were preparing her for the world. It's amazing. How does the Lord's Prayer then fit within this paradigm? Sure. Perfect. So the Lord's Prayer, which is is, is obviously the model of all prayer, yeah. uh, 
it, it's really beautiful. Seven petitions. Uh, the first three um, are simply petitions that say this, God, be who you are and do what you do in me. I give you full consent to act in me, mm. right? It's, mm. it's extraordinary. Mm-hmm. It says, everything that you will as father. So the premise, it begins with father because everything that follows from there, we are absolutely confident will be for good because he's a father. So we can, we can say, do what you want in me without any fear, because we know a father would do no harm to us ever, would only will our good. So the first three petitions, hallowed be thy name, which means sanctify your name, right? Which means, which means manifest the, 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 the beauty uh, and attributes of your name. Show yourself as just and merciful and kind and patient. Uh, uh, your kingdom come, meaning uh, establish your reign, which in your reign can only come if I consent, because your reign in rule only happens in cooperation with free human beings who consent to your rule. So your kingdom come, and then finally your will be done uh, on earth as it is in heaven. Because in heaven, heaven, the definition of heaven is where God's will is done. The definition of earth is where God's will is to be done. Mm. Uh, so here we are, we're, we're called to bring heaven to earth and earth to heaven, to wed heaven and earth by consenting that he carry out his will in us. But we freely consent. Uh, to that. And then we get to the specifics, right? right. Uh, the other four petitions where we ask for specific things, right? Um, all of those premised on the fact that we believe a, they're part of God's will, but, and the, but B we surrender to whatever it is you want to do with what I've asked. That's it. Yep. So Jesus, again, as always is the model, right? Always the model, <laughs> always, always the model, the model. Always the in model. his own person <laughs> and in the way he prays and in the way he prays. That's it. Right. Amen. Always the model recognition always. of God's providence, God's will, and at the same time, asking for the specific things. That's and, it. And in the end, you know, leaving it to the Father to answer as possible. Absolutely. So, wonderful. Okay, so we've talked about Thanksgiving. We've talked about petition. Can we talk about, let's keep going. Can we talk about meditation? Sure. Okay. Oh, yes. I love so meditation. How, how then is Christian meditation different than other forms of meditation? Sure. Right now, meditation um, is, is, a, is a buzzword in the psychological field, mindfulness, sure. which rooted not in a Christian metaphysics, but in a, uh, in a, in a, in a Buddhist one, Sure. which I had a wonderful episode with Dr. Greg Bataro on Catholic mindfulness. So we kind of spoke about that, but just kind uh-huh. of, there's a buzzword right now about being mindful, about meditating and in, in how then does Christian meditation differ from other forms of meditation that are just kind of out there in the culture? Sure. Good, great, great question. I mean, so very simply, the difference is 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 Christ. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> I mean that's, that is it. That's it. That's in other words, it. it's because it, because the the meditation in Christianity, it's not the methods are are really secondary. The the manner in which you engage in a meditation, which you have meditation or uh, recollection, um, which is the kind of traditional word for it. Okay. recollecting, means recollect yourself. That's what pull all the powers of your soul together in a unified way. Because you know, in the daytime, we're scattered all over the place. You know, ADD kind of thing. <laughs> But in order to be present to someone, even yes. if you're in a conversation, you have to recollect yourself. If I'm right. going to talk to you, I can't be thinking, right. I can't be thinking about, you know, the stuff going on behind you or thinking about Home Depot trip later that day. And then you say at some point, what do you think of that? And I'm like, think of what? I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> exactly. Right? So, yeah. so the, the, the techniques that I use to bring myself to be present to the other, which in this case is Christ, the, the, that's really secondary. And, and, and Eastern forms of meditation can be very helpful because they're they're masterful understandings of how human nature works in the mind and focusing the mind's energy and bringing about a kind of unity of the sense of the soul and all. I think though those can be very useful as long as they are founded on the person of Christ. Right. But the point is that we're being, we're focusing not to be zeroing out or emptying ourselves into nothingness, but to become present to a person, the person of Christ, 
become present to the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, to become present to the face of the Father who looks at us so that we can engage in a conversation where we are fully present because we've recollected ourselves. So I think that's the main difference. Uh, and even like centering prayer, which is, you know, was kind of popular in the 70s and 80s, particularly taking Eastern forms of, of meditating and kind of the zeroing out. I think they can have a, a, a good a good kind of methodological place in prayer because that's the purpose of them is to help center us, center us, but to center us on what? Not ourselves or not on nothing, but on the Holy Trinity who dwells within us, right? So that we can be present to him and allow him to be present to us in communion and conversation and openness and receptivity. So that's one kind of side of, of meditation. The other one is meditation is, as, as Deacon Jim Keating loves to say, is thinking in prayer, mm. right? In other words, meditation is is thinking about the truths of faith and about my life um, and kind of, you know, processing that and helping to change the way I think about things while I'm in the presence of God, right? In other words, I'm not just thinking about them abstractly or as ideas, but I'm thinking about them as the way that I encounter and live in the presence of this person, the person of Christ. So meditation uh, every day helps us to undergo conversion and conversion coming from the Greek word metanoia, which means change of mind, that you have to change your mind, but you have to do it actively every day. You have to spend time thinking and meditating on, on my sins, on my virtues, on life, on my relationships, on my marriage, on my work, on my suffering. I reflect on these things and give them meaning and it changes the way I see the world. And if I see the world rightly, based on the way that my thinking has changed, I'm more capable of receiving the grace that God wants to give because I'm, I'm a more adapted receiver then to, to the thing that I'm supposed to be receiving, right? The grace. So I, for example, if I'm meditate on the presence of God in all things, uh, or in Christ in the poor and the, and the difficult. Um, then when I go into my day and I look around me, I can see God alive in everything. I can see Christ present in the irritating coworker or the difficult person that I deal with. I, can, I could never have seen Christ there, though, if I had not spent time in meditation thinking through this with Christ and allowing him to change my mind. So those are, I guess, two ways I think about meditation. Mercy. Um. Well, I don't work in Notre Dame anymore, so I'm sorry that I can't bring Christ to you anymore by being an annoying coworker. <laughs> it's okay, but you really were one of the best examples of someone that was really hard to see, but I finally got to see Christ. And when you grew the beard, it helped. That's a, yeah. That was, that was my, my lot for you, Tom. I was just fulfilling God's providence in your life just to, to help you order your creation back to him. You know, that was, that was my presence. See what I said? Boy, it's easy to see Christ in you, Mario. You thought it was a good thing. Exactly. exactly. I took it as a compliment. it's like a crucifixion. Said, oh, thanks. You. Thanks, Tom. You're so good. I take that. Oh Lord. Um, okay. So bringing this back then recollecting ourselves, yes, a beautiful word. Yes, I mean, yes, yes. I, I love that, that, that image of recollecting, you know, you think yes. it's like, I'm actually collecting myself. Isn't that beautiful? Back, yeah, back yeah, to my, where, I'm, all over, I'm, the I'm place. all over the place, you know, kind of like where we are right now on the show, but I'm trying to bring myself back you know, present so that I can, I can yes. actually recollect myself. And, and, and I do agree that there's a place where, um, if you, if you adopt these practices, so that it leads you towards something as it, in, many, in many ways, it's, it's a, it's a cognitive exercise. Mm -hmm. And in that regard, it's a psychological practice of you being attempted to the various distractions and the, 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 the inattentiveness and all the other stuff that's kind of happening. Yes. But if you can find the way of through mindfulness to be able to close the doors, recollect yourself through breathing, through focus, through attentiveness, yes. and then you, you, you bring that forward. Where the end isn't nothing. The mm -hmm. end isn't the recollection itself. And maybe that's where some of the centering prayer got in trouble is that it the is. end was that's correct. the centering itself 
the end was you, the end was your nothing. Psychological state. The psychological state. Yes. Where the psychological state is never the end. Never. It's, it's any good therapist would tell you the psychological state. It's only at the at the service of the spiritual life, and and so then where that becomes the end of itself, the 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 Zen feeling, the 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 calmness, the oceanic the, peace. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Where that becomes the end of itself. That's not what we're speaking not about here. No, that's just a psychological state of calm of bliss, which is fine. Yes, but that's not the same thing of meditative prayer. No, in the Christian sense of the word, which Absolutely. always is kind of gathering the thoughts to guide you towards relationship. That's it towards God, and so that can be experiential in that uh, now that I have this calm, I can direct myself, or it can be very specific through thinking prayer, which is the second thing you said. Then, yes. where I'm meditating on scripture, where I'm meditating on some holy word, on some some inspired text. Or I'm pausing the podcast because something that you said was right on and I need to stop right there to yes. meditate on that, even if I'm in the middle of traffic. <laughs> could be you. I don't know. I'm just a listener. I'm, I'm speaking to you right now. You know, that uh, but it could be that. Um, whatever it is, that's the meditative act of being able to then direct um, my thoughts towards God so that I'm constantly in this hinge mode. And that's, that's yeah. it. I'm constantly that's trying awesome. to recollect or think and trying to bring order into my thinking, into my system yeah. so that I'm bringing God and, and seeing God in, in all the circumstances of my life. Mm. That's awesome. That's what you said. I, well, I'm just, you said it much more poetically than well, I no, said. It. I think I mean, it's we much were just we're riffing, we're riffing off each other it's right beautiful. now, you know, no, um, it, it's, be, it's beautiful. I, I, I agree with all of that. And, and, and I, I'd like to also say just to play off of your scripture reference. And I should have said that up front. What's the difference between non-Christian and Christian meditation? And in, in, for Christian meditation, it's that Christian meditation and prayer is always uh, scriptural. In other words, it's it flows out of the biblical texts, right? That that's that's the content of our prayer. So so always making sure that Scripture has a central role in your life in terms of prayer, in terms of meditation and reflection. That that's the that's kind of the the one hundred and one, the, the the bottom line. Um, the last thing I'd like to say, uh, I don't know if you have anything else you wanted to talk about. I have lots of questions you that do? we okay. keep talking about. But if there's a comment that you want to make right now within the context of meditation, then then go ahead. Sure. Yeah. And so if I don't like it, I'll edit it out. Yeah, anyway, yeah. edit so. it out because I'm sure it's it's gonna be it's gonna be rotten. It's gonna be awful. Because yeah, right. <laughs> Give it to us, Tom. That's we're, it. we're ready. That's what, it. What are you about to drop on me? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I'm about to drop on you. No pressure. But but I, I, w- I would just say that in this age of technology um, and phones um, and, and really the, the effect that those can have on us, technology, digital stuff, um, on distracting us, on kind of fragmenting us, on not allowing us to be able to be present to and attend to the present situation in front of us. I think that that meditation, that whole practice of meditation and recollection is so essential as, as kind of a spiritual antidote or way of healing uh, the negative effects that that can cause in us, being able to be present to the presence of God in every day and spending every day. So for me, my day begins every, every day, uh, unless there's something particular that intervenes, uh, 30 minutes. And I've done this for over 30 years, thanks to a spiritual director who kind of set me on this course. 30 minutes every day I begin with no phone, no computer, no nothing first, just the text of the day, scripture. That's why I use the gospel for the day and the first reading for the day um, and do that. And that, that really makes an immense difference in my day in terms of centering me and allowing me to deal with the distractions of the day uh, and the temptations of the day, particularly the difficulties that technology can bring in and fragmenting my attention and kind of taking me away from the 
present moment. So I, I guess I just wanted to mention that as a particular, particularly important yeah. uh, reason that I think meditation and recollection every day, which is a, a, an essential practice for Christians. I mean, like this is, this is a 101 basic, uh, is so important now, particularly in our culture, our digital culture. Yeah, amen. I, yeah. I concur. Yeah. I've realized even, even as I cut certain apps out of my phone and it sounds dumb, but like I'm more disciplined on my laptop going to a certain website than I am on my phone. And so I, I know that there's a, there's a place where we have to kind of find, um, yes. kind of balance with all that. I, I know you have to get moving, but I, I need one more question. Oh, sure, that sure. I have yes. to at least ask here. <laughs> of course. This is so fun, by the way. Thank you so much for always. Our conversations always. are just always. Are so, always. Uh, yeah. Contemplation. Oh, yes. Contemplation. We have to talk about contemplation. Sure, of course. So then what is contemplation in the Christian sense then? Sure. Great question. Uh, so couple of, a couple of things you might say about contemplation. Contemplation, first of all, St. Thomas Aquinas, who is the master of brief, concise definition, says contemplation is the simple gaze on truth. Mm-hmm. Right? The emphasis on simple. Uh, so meditation is very discursive and analytical, right? It picks things apart and thinks about them and then puts them back together, which is a, a, an important, essential way that human beings process things. But the what, what it's often called in the prayer tradition, the gaze of love, right? Or the eye of charity of the soul. Um, when you look at your beloved in love and just gaze on them, that image is used, right? Like the beatific vision in the next world, often called the vision of God face to face, where we simply gaze on the face of God with love. Um, it's not an analytical dissecting kind of thinking that's going on there. It's simply a very simple look that opens oneself up to the other to receive them totally into the deepest part of yourself, to receive them and their own, excuse me, their own love, uh, and then to return that. So there's a beautiful simplicity to it. So what contemplation is in an active way is, is what recollection is supposed to bring you to, which is a very simple being present to God beyond just the thinking prayer and the thinking about interesting points or insights from scripture or whatever, but just being present to God and looking at him and allowing him to look at you. There's that beautiful simplicity that, that contemplative prayer uh, is, is a fruit of meditation and recollection brings us to. There's a second part, though, of contemplation, which St. John of the Cross, Teresa of Avila, for example, uh, would highlight, which is the contemplative prayer that is what they call mystical prayer. Mystical prayer doesn't mean, you know, all the wild phenomenon, visions and locutions. That's not really what mystical. Mystical means that this prayer is actually the activity of God in us. In other words, it's, you might say it's God praying in us. What, the, what does that even mean? Yeah. So St. Paul in Romans says that the spirit, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the spirit himself helps us in our weakness, crying out, Abba, Father. In other words, the spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the Father and the Son um, in us, shapes in us a prayer to the Father himself, right? And it's really the, it's the prayer of the Son to the Father. The Father from all eternity turns to his Father and says, Abba, Father, right? Great love, thanksgiving, gratitude that the Father has begotten him from all ages. And the Holy Spirit opens that in us and allows us to experience the prayer of the Son to the Father. Um, and we just get, you might say, taken over by that prayer, mm. you know, freely, by the way. We, so the very fact that we're praying is our consent to God and saying, do whatever you want in me now. That's, I, like, I like to think of it this way, Mario, that the prayer is simply the consent to God to say, do whatever you want in me, right? That's it. It's really, it's fundamentally consent. Um, 
absolute trust. But but at certain times, God will take over all the faculties of our soul, as John and Teresa called them, the, the intellect, the will, the memory, the imagination, the affections. He'll take them all over and he'll focus them all on himself and kind of sweep us up into him. We find ourselves praying beyond our own power. Uh, and it's extraordinary. And those come when he wants. You can't conjure that. You can't make that happen by techniques. He does it when he wants to do it. Uh, and it's effects. You know it's effects because it leaves itself in you. It, it, John and Teresa said, whenever you experience that kind of contemplative prayer, you become more virtuous. And that's the primary sign that that's happened. Fruits of virtue are born in you. You have more courage. You have more patience. You have more love. You have more wisdom, whatever it is. Um, so, but in praying and recollecting and making the time and wasting time to be with God every day, you show him that you want this. Uh, and then he'll grant it to you according to his will, however he wants. It's up to him completely, uh, but he'll grant it to you um, and, you know, for whatever purpose. But that's really what contemplation is considered the highest form of prayer because it's the human being finally surrendering totally to God and allowing God to pray in them, to shape in them everything he wants, every disposition. And it leaves you changed. It's, it's extraordinary what it does to you. And it brings you so much closer to the Son who shares with you his own sacred heart, his own prayer to the Father. Beautiful. So how do we judge then the quality of our prayer based on, on all of these modes that we just spoke yeah, about? Yeah, so uh, St. Teresa of Avila has a beautiful image. Um, she has a section in the, way of, um, in the Way of Perfection where she talks about uh, the prayer as watering, different forms of prayer. The, more, the prayer that involves more labor, you know, the laboring prayer that we have to do ourselves, um, like going to a well and pulling water out of the well. Uh, and then there's, on the other side, the water that's just rain that falls on us, which is contemplative prayer. We don't do anything. And she has this beautiful phrase. She goes, what's the purpose of the water? She says, the water is for the flowers. What are the flowers? The flowers are the virtues. The, the whole purpose of prayer is to help to shape and form us into the image and likeness of God. And the primary way we show ourselves in the image and likeness of God is by the virtues, by being just and kind and patient and loving, long-suffering and forgiving and merciful and all of that. That's the point of prayer. The point of prayer is to make us virtuous so that we can be the prism and the hinge of creation. We can be what we're meant to be. We can be saints. Uh, we can be people in whose presence it's easy to believe in God. Mm. That's the point of prayer in the end. The results are not the miracles and all the things that happen and the phenomenon. Those are all peripheral in a sense, right? The real fruit of miracles and all that stuff is virtue. I grow in virtue. I become more like God. Uh, and, you know, to keep that in mind keeps our minds focused on what's most important, right? In Christian life, the heart of Christian life, the end game of everything is love, mm. is charity. Love for God, love for neighbor. If you're praying for any other reason in the end, uh, your prayer will never sustain <laughs> because that's the end game. So if you're at Auschwitz or you're in your house or you're at a concert having a wonderful time, all of those become opportunities to see the fruits of prayer at work, which is the manner in which love is expressed in you in every context of life, regardless. Uh, and then in the next world uh, for all ages. Amen. 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 Well, I can't think of a better way to end this episode. Yeah, thank you. With that then. What an honor. We pray, we pray to, to grow in love. We pray to, to grow in love. So, Tom, as always, thank you for joining me on the show. My honor, and brother. Can't wait to have you on again. Me too. So fun. Good. Well, that's it. Great conversation with Dr. Tom Neal that just, as always, 
rocks my freaking world. A man is, is so brilliant and his clarity about uh, deep theological matters is, in my estimation, second to none. So please check his uh, blog out at neilopstat.wordpress.com. If you have any questions for him, you can field those there directly. Again, if you have any questions for me, please find me on social media at Dr. Mario Sacasa, and I'd be happy to answer whatever questions you have. But I hope that this episode has blessed you in understanding what prayer is and what it isn't so that you can march forward with courage and and conviction of what it means to actually have the privilege of talking to God. Uh, This great gift that we have of our faith is, is such an awesome, awesome mystery. So God bless everybody. Have a great day. Be good. Take care. Goodbye. And whatever else I'm supposed to say at the end of the show. All right. See you later, everybody.